Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are counting down the days until the new year and making sure you have plenty of hot sauce. I'm like that underground rapper that's selling mixtapes out the back of his trunk right now, okay? <laughs> He's one of those dudes who, who you love to play with but hate to play against. So my little mind's thinking right now, I'm getting ready to get rat packed. That's what we do, baby. That's what we do. I'm giving hot sauce, baby. We'll find out everything about you. We cannot wait to put the year 2020 in the rearview mirror, and we're going to laugh all the way to New Year's Day here on the latest edition of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. I'm Mark Janowski, joined by Stacey King and our panel, Peanut Gallery, John Walsh, Tim <laughs> Kelly. And Hello, we, may, we may get the female perspective at some point. We may have a special guest. I'm not so sure about that, but just stay tuned. You never know what you're going to hear. Stacey, we've had people following the show. We've had multiple listeners out in the U.K., We've got a listener in Dortmund, Germany, also in Mexico, and I understand you were contacted by somebody in the Far East. Yes, Japan. They said they've been listening to the podcast. They love it. I've had some people in Australia as well reach out to me and say they love the podcast. So we're we're getting out of the United States, and and we're getting people out there from all over. Global. But, we're going global. global. But it's not like one of those old bad westerns where they dub in the voices, is it? They don't hear you us know in what? Japanese, do they? You know what? I don't know. That's a good, that's that, a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. They could have they could have our voices dubbed over. You know, it'd be you know all of a sudden like those old westerns. You know, yeah, yeah. What's giving the hot talking? sauce in Japanese? We'll exactly. I need out. I need to figure that out. That would be. Pretty cool if we could actually speak Japanese. Well, we all in the, all different languages. We all have the chance to celebrate Christmas with our families. Uh, Stacy, how to go? I know you got a new puppy on the way, but you get any other uh, nice gifts uh, under the tree? You know what? I mean, with the pandemic, you know, you're not able to celebrate like you normally want to. You know, so you didn't really get a chance to spend. I didn't get a chance to spend with my entire family and my wife's family like we normally do. We normally have you know 50, 60 people over. Uh, you know, we had the uh, the virtual Zoom. We were passing turkey through the video, and uh, <laughs> that's that's not a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> no. got a chance to spend some time with my kids, and uh, you know, just you know, anytime you get a chance to spend time with your immediate family, it's awesome. You know, with this podcast starting up and getting bigger every week, we're putting our families to work, and uh, John's got his wife here and his daughter here, and my, my daughter's team. been working on social media as well, and she got me a nice little gift for Christmas. She got me my own personalized drink koozie. It says on it, ask me about my podcast. 
And it's got oh, my name on it. Oh, that I is like nice. That. that is nice. So anywhere I go, I got my drink koozie. So ask me about the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. And, you know, John is rapidly advancing in old age, so so he got a very special gift for Christmas as well, right? Well, you know, Mark, thanks for you know, <laughs> thanks, that out. Thanks for mentioning <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, 24 years of marriage, and I got a pee beacon. Which is nice. It lights. Yeah, how up does that work? How, how does that work? <laughs> it's a sensor. It lights up your light at your night, and, the, and you know, and it gives you a nice entryway. You know, it gives oh, you so you can find your way yeah. to the toilet. No, it. it <laughs> it's important. No, it. The other thing finds its way <laughs> in the find toilet. Or find something else. So, it's a so, so, so it's a, called a pee beacon. It's a. Se- it's not called. That's what I call it. But okay. it's a what sensor. It uh, it's a. <laughs> it? I don't know. It's you know, a sensor that you put. On your toilet, so you can see your toilet. Man, so, like, if you miss, if you miss and pee on the floor, it shoots it an alarm you. goes off. Spray pee on the floor. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. I get taken away. I also did get the, for my son Patrick the uh, business lessons in leadership from the great Tom Brady. Six rings, wow, still that's, undefeated. That's real, started the that's Tom Brady real exciting, now. there, John. The Tom Brady. Wow. Oh, poor Patrick. Patrick, I feel for you, buddy. Wow. Well, that's a real good dad there. Just give him a book. Do you buy those special <laughs> products that he sells for like uh, $50 for a bottle of carrot juice? <laughs> You're talking about TV 12, right? Yes. Did, did yes. you happen to get that book really out of the tub? Seriously, out of your no, little tub. That was give it to Patrick. He didn't even know no, it was down there. No, no. My son gave it to me. Oh, he gave it to you. What he gave Oh, me. I thought you gave it to your no, son. Okay, no, then I you're wouldn't. not as cheap as I thought I you were. Wouldn't. Okay, my bad. She's the only Patriots <laughs> fan in the house, my daughter Catherine. Oh, you're a Patriots fan? Okay, I'm not going to hold against you. You know, Johnson- How do they do this year? Yeah, they're- Are they in the playoffs? The streak is over. Did they win the AFC East? I don't know. I mean, who, who won the AFC East? We'll find out tonight when they play <laughs> Buffalo, baby. <laughs> we are taping this on Monday night, and we're also awaiting news, breaking news, on a potential Cubs trade. You Darvish potentially going to the San Diego Padres. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun. We'll talk about that and football later in the show, but uh, let, let's start out with our all, our favorite sport, that being basketball. And Obviously, it uh, has not started out great for the Chicago Bulls. They're 0-3. They almost got a win Sunday night against the Golden State Warriors. Had a lead going down the stretch, but unfortunately, Steph Curry did his magic, and then it was a guy named Damian Lee getting loose for a game-winning three-pointer. That was forecast by the color analyst on NBC Sports Chicago, Stacey King, saying they're going to go for the win. Yes, because I know my ex-teammate Steve Kerr. I know that's what they want to do. They struggled the first two games of the year. They lost to Brooklyn, got blown out got blown out in Milwaukee. So why not go for the win and give your team a little bit of confidence, something to build upon? Uh, I really felt bad for the Bulls because I thought they played well enough to win. There was a lot of bright spots, you know, a lot of positive things that happened in that game. Wendell Carter Jr. probably had his best game that he's had in a long time. I mean, started shooting the ball, didn't really focus on threes. You know, he was getting the ball inside, pick and pop, pick and roll, post-ups. Lowry's been having an excellent season. I mean, I, I hope Bulls fans are encouraged from what they've seen about how Lowry's been playing. He came into that game yesterday shooting about 43% from the three-point line, but that's half the story. He's not staying at the three-point line. He's moving. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's attacking. He's playing a good all-around game, rebounding the basketball, gets a couple of blocks here and there. So I'm really encouraged with, with the way Lowry has played this year. One of the things the NBA has brought to the fan base over the last half dozen years or so is the uh, last two-minute report, which comes out the day after a basketball game. And, Stacy, the news on the last two-minute report today is that the uh, Golden State Warriors 
committed a five-second violation on the last play, and there also should have been a foul called on Kevon Looney on a screen holding Kobe White trying to get around. Well, I, I thought it was a turnover because when, when, um, when Lee was taking the ball out, we all knew they were trying to get Steph Curry that last shot. And Lee thought that he was going to come off the, the screen from Looney and come over the top and get the ball. But at the last second, he reversed field and went underneath the screen, and then you saw Kobe White get hailed. But uh, Curry never even got the ball, and Lee was really trying to get him the ball because he anticipated him going over the top. And it was five seconds was there, but he was leaning forward and almost turned the ball over, and he, he was able to get the ball in. And at the end, he hit the game-winning shot. So, I mean, can't do anything about it now. I tell you what, that last two minute report is the biggest waste of time in sports. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, well, you're, 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 you're telling the referees you're made a mistake. You're throwing them under the bus, yeah. basically. It's they like, shouldn't change anything. No, I mean, it, I mean, are you going to give the Bulls the win? Yeah. Right. All right, let's say take that three pointer back, and uh, we'll give the Bulls the win. You know, you're not going to do that. So it's almost like you put the put the referees on front street a little bit. They made a mistake. They're human. It's human error. We see it all the time in every sport. You know, NFL. You know, hockey. You know, boxing. Even you know, people make mistakes and. At the end of the day, you know, the way the Bulls played last night, I really thought that they should have won that game by 20 points. Uh, I think the reason why, you go back and look in between the numbers, they turned the ball over a lot against a team. Really, it's not a good defensive team like we're used to seeing Golden State. So they turned the ball over 20 times, and I think Golden State had 25 points off those turnovers. So if you you take half of those away, the Bulls win double digits. So – it's something to grow on. You know, it's much more encouraging than the first two games they competed. Uh, they looked a lot better. And the one thing I saw out of it um, was the big guys, because I always say, I said last night on, on the game, I said, our big guys don't set screens. I call them the Casper to go screens, where they come up and they just actually just go through. They hit nobody. It's like, you know, you ran right in the Casper to ghost. So the other night when they played Indiana and Sabonis was setting monster screens. I mean, he was getting open every single time because he set good screens. And so the next game when the Bulls played Golden State, you could see that the big guys, after playing Sabonis and seeing how effective he was by setting, you know, two-man game screens, they decided to do it. Wendell Carter got himself open so many more times. So hopefully they can build on that and continue to get better at setting screens. Yeah, obviously that was a big improvement over what we saw in the first two games. We had the 30-point deficit alert in the opener against Atlanta, and then the 40-point deficit alert in the game against Indiana. The Pacers had a 21 to nothing run in the second quarter, and then they opened the second half, I think, with an 18 to nothing run. And defensively, Bulls got improved, Stace. Yeah, they, they, did a, they did a much better job against Golden State. But, you know, the point of attack, that's where it's really hurting them. You know, on-ball defense. Uh, guys just getting direct lines to the basket, and then you're relying on your backline defense to help. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is is that when the backline goes over to help, no one's helping the backline guy who went over to help. Right. And then you're getting guys with dunks or easy baskets. But it all starts at the top of the key. You've got to stay in front of people, move your feet, take it personal. There, you know, you could sit up here and make all kinds of excuses that – you know, well, you know, the team didn't play in the bubble. You know, they're off nine months. And that that is that is probably, you know, a lot of cases with a lot of these teams, those eight teams that didn't go. You know, this is basically their preseason game, these first, you know, three or four games. Even though they've had a preseason, they didn't get to work out anything. But defense is something that, you know, it's about heart, you know, a desire to play, you know, and, and taking it personal. Like, I'm guarding my man. You're not going to just, you know, score on me. Now, granted – 
They've had a couple of, you know, players that are very good one-on-one players. You had Steph Curry last night. You had, you know, Trey Young in game one. They're going to be difficult for anybody to guard. Trey Young right now is on, on a kill streak right now. So uh, that was kind of expected. But still, defense got to get better at the point of attack. I was kind of surprised at Billy Donovan's postgame comments after the Indiana loss. He, he did it very politely, very elegantly, saying that sometimes the players internalize problems when things go bad. But what he's basically saying is, we played soft and we got to be tougher. Yeah, they, they've got to break some bad habits. I mean, this is, you got you know, you've seen this team play for the last three or four years. And, you know, mentally, you know, it's a mental game. And, and you know, defense is mental, mental toughness. You know, uh, you know, being able to, you know, take a situation, I miss a shot on the other end, I turn the ball over, to not bring it back on the other end defensively. And you're still worrying about something that happened two plays ago. That's what happens a lot of times with young players and, and a young team. And we saw a lot of that the last couple of years. But, you know, Billy Donovan, you know, I'm trusting Billy Donovan because Billy Donovan has a way of reaching guys. And you can see it yesterday. Uh, the rotation was not the same as you saw the first two right. games. He's starting now to rely more on his veteran players, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter, Sadoransky came in, has been playing well off the bench. He's going with his veteran players, especially in that second group, to give them some stability. But he's he's basically letting guys know, like, if you don't come to play and you're not ready to go, you know, I got some guys over here chomping at the bit to play, and I, I really like that. Yeah, we heard some uh, rather twisted analogies from Jim Boylan over the last year and a half, but, but Billy kind of laid it out there for everybody. He said, you know, these guys have to realize when we're sending a lifeboat out to save them, they got to swim to it. So that, exactly. that, that was a good analogy. It's like exactly. as coaches in front office, they can do whatever they want to try to improve the roster and put systems in. But deep down, you got to have that inside of you to want to make sure that you can solve the problem yourself. Well, we always said, you know, when you put that, that Chicago Bulls on your, on your chest, you know, there's something about pride. This is a prideful city. This is a blue-collar city. And that was something that, you know, Phil Jackson always instilled in us when we came out. We owe it to the fans to give them the best effort, the best energy that we can. There's going to be games where you're going to have those games you want to flush down the toilet. It's, 80, it's an 82-game season. It's a 72-game season now. But when you have this long season, you're not going to have every game where you play your best every single game. You're going to have games where you get you say, okay, let's just you know put that in the file cabinet. Let's get ready for the next one. But at the same time, you know you've got to come out every single night with energy, and that's why you have to have, in my opinion, you have to have everybody on the same page because your bench has to understand when the starters don't have it, we got to bring it up. And we got to pick up the level of intensity and the energy to try to get us through this game. And not having fans at the game is really tough because a lot of times when you have fans at the game and you go, you know, you're down 10 points per They'll se. They pick you up a little bit. They pick you up. The yeah. Chicago fans pick you up. You get this energy, and then all of a sudden you go on a run and the crowd goes crazy at the UC. And next thing you know, you're back in the game and you win a game, but you don't have that now. There's not a, there's, you have to manufacture some kind of energy now without it, the fans being there. It sounds like Paul George needs to be reminded of that, huh? I'll tell you what, Paul George, they should keep him away from microphones because every time he sits down <laughs> and answers questions, he says something he probably would like to take back. Obviously, if you, if you missed this, it happened Sunday night. The Clippers fell behind by 50 points in the wow. first half against the Dallas Mavericks. They were down 77-27. to 27. That is an NBA record for the largest halftime deficit ever in the history of the league. So they end up losing by 51. It was basically just trading baskets in the second half. Paul George gets behind the microphone afterwards to answer questions, and he says, hey, this one's on me. You know, I think I maybe uh, uh, celebrated Christmas a little too hard yesterday, and I wasn't ready for today. This game kind of came too fast. I mean, Stacy, you, you, <laughs> you've had to answer questions from reporters before. He's basically saying, 
I don't know if he had too much eggnog or whatever, but he basically said, I wasn't ready to play, and he blamed it on his family Christmas celebration. Well, let me, let me tell you about that game. I mean, that was your first glimpse of life without Kawhi Leonard, who was out from that mm-hmm. game for taking an elbow from Serge Ibaka in the previous game. So if you're Clippers fans right now and you say, what if Kawhi decides to test free agency and leave? Right. And now you've paid Paul George all this money, and now he's That's the your face of your franchise. <laughs> and I like Paul George. I like Paul George's game. I think he's a great compliment to Kawhi Leonard. But sometimes, you know, you have to know when what to say and what not to say. And, and you know, you go back to that bubble situation and saying, well, it's so hard to get motivated in the bubble, and, you know, I just don't feel like I'm in the game. It's like, dude, you get paid millions of dollars to play basketball. It doesn't matter if you're hooping in a phone booth. You play. That's what you do. You love to play the game. So uh, for him making those comments and then making the Christmas comments really, really didn't look well for him. And if you're Steve Ballmer, you're like, wow, you know, I got <laughs> to think about some things, you know, because at the, end, at the end of the day, you know, Kawhi Leonard can look at this as well and say, I mean, you already saw Montrez Harrell bolt. You know, they lost some really good players that really complemented, you know, the toughness and the hard work. And you see the impact that Harold has done with the Lakers coming off the bench. They really missed that kind of toughness. Load management is going to be a big story in the NBA with the season all condensed right now. And Anthony Davis sat out Sunday night for the Lakers. They had an easy win over, over the Timberwolves. But Monday night... First, Kevin Durant announced that he's not going to be playing against Memphis. And then about two hours later, his little buddy, Kyrie Irving, said, hey, wait about me. I'm not going to play either. So are these guys like a match set? They, they, they have Batman to be out and there Robin. together? Well, I mean, for Kevin Durant, you know why. Because yeah. he's coming back from serious injuries. You know, I mean, he can't, he's coming back from an Achilles tear. So you can understand why he would say he's not going to play. Uh, Kyrie missed a lot of games last year, you know, for whatever reason, you know. Um, and to me... If you want, and they just lost Spencer Dinwiddie, a mm-hmm. key key reserve right. for them. You know their their main guard coming off the bench to back up Kyrie, and also gives Kyrie an opportunity to play two guard to score. So that's a huge loss for them. For him to say that, you know, and take the same night off, I mean, that hurts his team because they've been playing really, really well. The first couple of games I saw them play. I mean, it was a, like a mirror image of watching Golden State with the ball movement. And those guys who are like the people like to consider the others, like Joe Harris and, you know, Karis LeVert and those guys, those guys look so much confident playing with those with those superstar players because there's no pressure on them. They just go out there and hoop. Joe Harris looks like, you know, looks like Steve Kerr out there shooting threes. I'll tell you what, though, it, it struck me as funny that a couple hours after Durant says he's taking a rest day, Kyrie puts his hand up and go, me too. You know, it's like when you're a little kid on the playground. You always had those friends that always yes. ran in pairs. So is this an early test for Steve Nash and how he's going to handle the superstars? Yeah, I think it is. But I, I think Steve Nash realizes, like, hey, you know what, this, is, this comes with the territory. You know, you know what kind of player and what kind of person Kyrie Irving is. He's, he's one of these guys that – you know, he, sometimes he says some things. Sometimes he might rub people the wrong way. Who's going to use? Who's going to put the sage out if he's not? Playing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's assigned that to someone. He still might do it himself. He might walk out there and do it himself. But I mean, you, you, Steve Nash probably expects this. You know, they, these are superstar players. It's a long season. Uh, you got to protect Kevin Durant at all costs because he really is the the main guy on the team. And the one thing I like about Kevin Durant, I've always liked this about him. He's not a me superstar. You know, he's a we superstar. Mm-hmm. He plays well with everyone else. He's probably the most unselfish superstar in the league, uh, along with LeBron. I mean, they they could be the main guy on the team, but they choose to make everybody else around them better and take pressure off people. 
You know what they should do with him? You watch the uh, Ted Lasso series on Prime with uh, Jason Sudeikis, where he plays a, a, a soccer coach. Oh, it's, it's a, really a funny show. We're going to do a little bit of uh, review later, where Stacey's going to talk about the new Wonder Woman movie. But, oh, okay. but this, this Ted Lasso thing, they had this star player with a big ego, and they benched him for one, and they made him go set up the cones for practice. So that's what they should do with Kyrie. Oh, did he Say, bring you, juice you, boxes? Yeah, too? you can get water for the players today. <laughs> if you don't want to play, you got to help out in some other way. Well, we're, as we mentioned, we're closing in on New Year's Day, which means we want to celebrate. We want to have nothing but good news. So coming up after a quick timeout, we're going to welcome in our special guest on the latest Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, Cliff Good News Levingston good will news. join us when we return. Stay with us. Welcome back, Bulls fans, to the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do we have a special guest who happened to walk into the lab today. My boy, Cliff Levinston, a.k.a. Good News, two-time, yes, yes. two-time <laughs> world champion, 91 and 92. He was a big part of the reason why we won the title. They don't want to give us credit, though, the, the Black Ops news, but we're going to take you know credit. The Black Ops. <laughs> the Black Ops. We're going to take credit. We, 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 we paid our dues, news. We helped get that title. Yeah. But how you he, doing? He it, 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 hey, I'm good. I'm good, SS. You know how you know how the black ops is. You know it happened. We did a good job. Thank you for for your services. But it didn't really happen with you. Yeah. See, that, that's what we call ourselves, <laughs> Navy Seals. The bench. Really we were the we were the Navy Seals. So they send us in when everything else is going haywire. We go in there. We neutralize everybody like ghosts, and then we get out. We win the title. Yep. We get out. No one even knew that we contributed. Well, you know what, though? One thing I can say is real fans knew who helped win those championships and made made those championships happen. The real fans know. That's all that matters to me. That's all that matters, News. Mark, what do you got to say to my man, Good News? Hey, you got to take us behind the scenes in practice. Obviously, people know about how competitive Michael Jordan was. What were those practices like with you and Stacey on the second unit and trying to take it to those guys? You know, it wasn't just about Michael being competitive. Everybody says Michael's competitive. Yeah. Michael's competitive. Everybody on that team, from the from the first man down to the twelfth man, was competitive. You know, um, we took pride in trying to shut down that first unit, and only thing that did was made us better. You know, we we playing against the best guys in the league every day, night day in day out, and we're going at them one hundred percent. I mean, that's only going to make you better. All I know is practice was so competitive. It was fights breaking out all the time, elbows thrown, blood flying this way. But we all left it on the court. We didn't take it off the court. After, after we left practice, it was done. We, we, we knew our jobs. We came and do our job. We came and did our jobs. That was it. And, you know, and nobody took it really personal. I think a lot of these younger guys now – take all this uh, aggressiveness from another player personal. And it's not personal. It's just like, I'm just trying to push you to be a better player if you're in front of me so I can be a better player. That's what it is. Well, when we talked about the, you know, the first three championships, I always like to tell people that was the first dance because that was the first time that the Bulls won a championship. So we call that the first dance. So, my my impersonation or impersonation of the second dance, you know, I I, I liked it. News, I liked it, um, but also knew that was Michael Jordan's perspective. So tell me what your thoughts were when you saw The Last Dance. 
Well, you know, I understood it was about the 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 second three peat. So a lot of it didn't bother me um, because they were talking about what was happening with with Jerry, Phil, and Michael about breaking up the team. Um, and, and a lot of people was like, "Why? How come you guys weren't in it more?" Because it wasn't about it wasn't about the first three peat. It was about it was about the second three peat. And when 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 people talked to me about it, I, I was I was kind of surprised at some of the things that Michael put in the, put in that documentary, you know, because he never Michael never puts himself himself out there where it's controversial. Controversy is going to hit toward him or hit too close to home, you know, from his gambling to his father to Scotty to Horace. He you know he put himself out there for criticism. You know, uh, and Michael Harley, he he never wants anybody to criticize him in a, in a negative tone. And he put himself out there for that. I didn't agree with some of the things that was said, but that's not my documentary. Yeah. You know, Cliff, he kind of let everybody behind the curtain because everyone knew how fiercely competitive he was and how he wanted to prove every night that he was the best player in the game. But he, he kind of let the curtain down a little bit in terms of, you know, he would endorse just about everything and he wanted to be politically correct and all the rest of it. But, you know, he kind of let the, that the audience know that he was going to do anything he could to win and he didn't care who got in his way. And you saw that, you know, how he could be cruel to teammates at, at times. Do you think that the viewing public at large got some insight into what made Michael Jordan tick? I don't think it was cruel. I didn't think, I didn't think what he did was cruel. I think he just pushed everybody to step their game up another level because he got tired of him being on one level and the rest of the team being on another level. So he pushed everybody. He challenged everybody. That's how I took it. Uh, I don't know how anybody else took it, why they took it the way they, that he was, he was cruel and mean. But, I mean, that's what basketball is all about, talking trash, talking trash at each other, making each other step up your game so you have nothing to say about me. If you have something to say about me, then, okay, all right, well, then let's, let's go at it. I have something to say about you. And I think with with, um, with that first three-peat, I was you know, part of the first two two championships, what, what I, I like about that team is we weren't a full unit at, when we first started, but by the end of the, the, uh, the season, we became a full unit. We, we relied on each other to help each other out. When someone was struggling, we knew someone was going to come in and lift them up and help them get, you know, get back in the rhythm of things. You know, um, like I said, I, I enjoyed my time. I, I really enjoyed my time with the Bulls. And, you know, there's some things I didn't enjoy, but, hey, the, the good comes with the bad. Hey, Cliff, uh, moving beyond the Bulls, uh, there, I read something about you in the uh, the uh -oh. fouled in game yeah. with the Hawks. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, huh? I mean, I, you got to take us through that whole situation where everybody was followed out, and you you were the last oh. one. What 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 was going through your mind when you realized that you had? Hey, you dug up some stuff back in social media. That's what we do, baby. That's what we do. I'm giving hot sauce, baby. We'll find out everything about you. <laughs> well, you know what? We were we were playing. Uh, I can't remember who we were playing, but um, Kevin Willis that got tossed out of the game. Doc Rivers got tossed, I think, for fight. It was a yes, big fight. Yes, he did. Yep. And, okay, and then 
Uh, I, I was the last player on the floor. It was against Boston. I was the last player on the floor. This is 86. This is when the Celtics, that was the big three. That was uh, Bill Walton came off the bench for them. That was an mm-hmm. unbelievable team. Yeah. So so I came, so I was the last person to file out. So I went, I went, damn, you damn knowledge guru, damn guru. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, when I filed out, I went to the bench. Well, in the NBA, you can't play with four men. Oh, okay. All right. You can't play with four men. So I had to go back on the court. Well, when I went back on the court, if I fouled someone, it was the foul, the technical, <laughs> and they got the ball back. <laughs> so, so I'm like this. I'm trying to find. I'm just trying to find anybody who would not even touch the ball. I'm trying to run next to people. And I'm, I'm running out of the way. Everybody running toward me. They get the ball and they dribble toward me. I'm like, yo, I'm not playing defense. I'm trying to run. It was the craziest thing. I think I ended up fouling three times. So they got six-point play every time I foul. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was, that was probably the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. It's like, okay, you got to go back in the game. I'm like, I fouled out. No, but you don't only want to play him. You don't, he's the last player. You got to go. Well, I'm telling you, Boston, they threw the ball. They swung that ball. I ain't, I ain't never seen him swing the ball so damn fast in my man. <laughs> I mean, they swung it. Boom, 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 boom. How you get the ball? Like, and I'm, I'm I'm running out of I'm running out of bounds. They run they chasing me out of bounds. <laughs> so so it was Cliff, crazy. It was, it was crazy. so Cliff, people people don't really you know really know. Some people do, but a lot of people may not even know that you had a chance to play with the great Dominique Wilkins, a Hall of Famer, and Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, a Hall of Famer, and you got to play with mm-hmm. both those guys in their prime. Tell the mm-hmm. listeners what it was like playing with both those guys, and what's the difference between the two that you thought when you got the ch- chance to play with both those guys. Well, first I played with six Hall of Famers. Oh, I got Lord. a chance to play with six Hall of Famers. So I'm not don't, don't discount my Hall of Famer guys. Name them, so name them. I want to know who you played with. Uh, go ahead, name them. Scotty. Well, Scotty was Michael, there too. Scotty, Dominique, Moses Malone. Oh, that's right. Isaiah Thomas and Kimbe Mutombo. That's right. I forgot yeah. you played with Moses. Yeah, yeah. So I got a chance to play with six Hall of Famers. Well. The difference between Michael and, and Scotty, I mean, Michael and, and, and um, Nick, it's huge, but it's not huge. Both of them had competitiveness to win the game. They want to win the game by all means necessary. You know, they come at you, they're going to come at you, keep coming at you. The difference is Michael wanted other people to step up around him. Dominic wanted that light by himself. That was the only difference. Dominic would do everything he can to make sure the light was on him and not share the spotlight. You know, I remember, remember when um, when Michael uh, gave us that uh, that uh, McDonald's commercial, Stacy. Yes, yes. See, Dominic would have never done that. You know, I'm, I'm Dom, uh, Stacy, myself, Stacy, BJ, Craig Hodges. We did a McDonald's commercial. Michael was like, "Well, you know what? Give give the publicity to the young guys." It was about the majority special, so he gave it to us, and we got paid for that. Whereas Dominic wouldn't have done that. That's the big difference. Wow. That's the biggest difference. And that, you know, that's the difference between Jordan winning championships and Dominique not winning championships because it was all about Dominique. And you guys had some really good teams in Atlanta, too. You had some really good teams in Atlanta. We had. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you something. This, 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 this is a, a traditional Dominique story. 
he know I like set picks because I love set a pick and make somebody winch, you know, hear that oof. I just love to do that. <laughs> and Dominic said, man, he's on me. House, get, get, get him off me, get him off me. And if they both come to me, you just go to the basket and I throw the ball. I set screens, he get the ball, he'll, he'll get the ball, and he'll do like this. Get out the way, get out the way. Wow. Like, Nick, I'm open. No, get out the way, get out the way. I got both. <laughs> it's like, but you know what? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's like you would only want you know do that a couple of times. But you know what though? I knew my job. I didn't care. I'm gonna get you open. I'm gonna do what I got to do to get you open. If you pass me the ball, you pass me the ball. If you don't, so be it. But I'm gonna do my job. <laughs> but 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 I'm saying. But but as far as a person, Dominic's one of the, he he was a great person. He's a great person. What I mean, was it like playing with Spud Webb? No, matter of fact, I just talked to Spud the other day. Spud is, Spud was, 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 when he first got with the Hawks, he was just so shy, laid back, and didn't want no, no, no publicity around him. He was just like one of them little, he, he'd walk in, Frank is like this. I remember when he first walked in, I was like, hey, who is this little dude? He must be the new ball boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I heard Spud Webb, but I never saw him. Well, this dude, you know, and you know, he just came off that USBL season with him and Manu Bowl. You know, I'm like, okay, but I really didn't know him when he came in. And you know, because one thing, I, one thing I used to love about the Hawks is we would get to we would get to Atlanta at least four weeks, five weeks before training camp started, and we're playing every day. I mean, when we when I say we're going at it, we get the gym, we going at it. And I mean, when he came in, I'm like, why are they letting this little dude on the floor? He don't even need to be on the floor. You know, he looked like he just out of high school. Boy, when he got the plan, I was like, God damn, who is this? They said, that's Spud Webb. I said, oh, that's who Spud Webb is. Man, tell me no more who he was from that point on. Because <laughs> he was, he was going by people and spinning, and he'd go up, and he'd go to block the shot, and he'd let that off. I'm like, how come I can't block this little dude's shot? But he had his vertical was unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, like I said, he... Spud was Spud was another one of those guys who's phenomenal to play with. Hey Cliff, getting back to Dominique, did he ever complain about the uh, slam dunk contest? He kind of got robbed in at Chicago Stadium. You ever have a conversation about that? Dominique got robbed twice. He got robbed by Spud. He got robbed <laughs> by Jordan. So, so yeah, he oh he complained about that all the time. And I knew he won the champ. He won the dunk contest in Chicago, but. They, the judges wouldn't have got out of Chicago. In Jordan. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't have got out. They wouldn't have got out of Chicago. But he, but he got robbed because Jordan did the same dunk twice. Yeah, and that's Dominic, right. did, Dominic, Dominic did phenomenal power dunks. I mean, it's only two guys that I, three guys I played with or against that had power dunks. When you dunk on, when they dunk on you, you know you've been dunked on. That was Daryl Dawkins. Dominic Wilkins and Sean Kemp. Yep. Those guys, when they dunked, you knew you got dunked on because the whole <laughs> rim was coming down. It's like, whoa, let me get out of this poster. Let me get out of this poster. <laughs> back in the day, back in the day, Cliff, when you know we we always talk about the the Detroit Piston Bulls rivalry, you know, in the early 90s and how, you know, how intense it was. And you know, when I tell people stories about, you know, how how hard it was to play them and how how physical the, the series were, sometimes they don't believe it because you look at today's game and you don't see that kind of physicality. But 
One of the one of the things I remember when we were playing them in the playoffs, and I remember you went down to set a screen on Vinny Johnson, and Vinny Johnson came around the screen and hit you in the five hole. Uh, and mm-hmm. slid, he slid, he hit you, hit you where, the, where you don't want to be hit, where you hit the high right. pitch noise. And that that kind of typifies how intense those series were because it was almost like a fight every single time that we played it. So, you know, give us a little light on, on your experience with it because I know, I know it's always great to hear somebody else's perspective. See, I, I, I started my career off with Detroit. I played with Vinny, Lambeer. Isaiah do uh, um, Isaiah uh, Keller Chipuka. So I, I knew the physicality that they were about. And when I got traded to Atlanta, I just wanted to murder them because I felt that I should have been still on the Pistons team um, when when I when I got traded and they kept Kent Benson. So I was I was a little I was a little salty. So every time I saw the Detroit Pistons, I was trying to come at them. But one thing I, I already knew how underhanded and a little dirty they are but the whole thing you got to make sure you keep your cool with them because it's a mental game with them it's not the physicality that really wears you out it's the mental of them doing things to you and then you so full get back at them opposed to um doing your job um if i'm sitting here worried about hitting this dude get you know throwing this dude on the ground and i'm not worried about He's winning. And that's what it was all about. Lambeer wasn't about. Lambeer was all about head and making you um, want to be physical with him, do things to him, and not score on him. Because he couldn't really play defense that well. But he played mental defense on you. And once he locked you up mentally, you're done. And he taught that to Rod. And one thing I can say, Bill Lambeer teaches you the game as a player when you're on his team. You know, he taught me some things about rebounding and and – and, and how to play uh, defense without even being there. So, you know, he, he's a dick, but, you know, I don't know if I said Our sponsors have just left. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't, well, then too bad. But no, he, he's one of those dudes who, who you love to play with but hate to play against, and, and, and you know, he's one of those type of guys. And, and now, you know, and Vinny, like I said, Vinny and I, Vinny and I were, were good friends. I mean, when I said we had the same agent, we hung out when I was in Detroit, we did everything. But for him to do that to me, I was so pissed at him. I, I want to hit him in the back of the neck and just drop him for real. But, but I, you know, but, but, but Vinny, one of them man mongoloid childs. And if I would have yeah. hit him and he didn't go down, I was in trouble. I was going to be in trouble. <laughs> no, it's kind of strange now that Bill Lane Bear is coaching in the, in the WNBA and you have to wonder what his locker room speeches are like, but we won't, we won't go into that. Cliff, before we let you go, uh, Update the folks on what you're doing. What's going on in your life right now? Well, I have a foundation. It's called Legends Leaving Legacies. Um, we help kids go on college tours. This year was was a, was a uh, the, the worst year for us because we didn't get a chance to send any kids on college tours. Uh, but we do a lot of community stuff. We raise money for uh, special needs kids. Um, like we we were having a um, a uh, build a bike with a celebrity the 16th of of January in LaPorte, Indiana. We, we're doing that. We have um, some underprivileged kids, kids who's from broken homes and in the system that we're going to get um, celebrities come and build a bike with them and bond with. Um, I'm also coaching now. I'm coaching uh, Kokomo. the uh, Kokomo Bobcats. Yeah. Uh, matter Kokomo. of fact, we, 
Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, it's a, it's a, a my league team in Kokomo. Is, yeah, Beach Boys. Huh? It's Beach a Boys. song, Beach nice. Boys. Do you come out to yeah. Kokomo by the Beach Boys? You know it, you know it. <laughs> and then, uh, and we have, we have, matter of fact, we have a training, we have a, a combine camp on the 8th of um, January down uh, at the uh, Indianapolis uh, uh, complex. And then we have another combine in Hammond, Indiana um, at the uh, Hammond, was it Hammond complex uh, on the, the 22nd of January. So just staying busy, you know, I like said between, between my community um, outreach stuff and, you know, and, and just being busy, you know, um, and then also we've been passing out meals to seniors. Uh, we, we've been passing out about 4,000 meals a week to, to seniors um, and people of need who, who need, who's hungry really. And I didn't realize how many people were hungry uh, during this pandemic stuff. And it, you know, it's been like overwhelming. It was like, wow, unbelievable. But like I said, just trying to stay busy. I've always been community orientated. You know, when I was uh, with the Bulls, I had my, uh, my uh, Cliffmas ball and my um, Cliff notes and, and, you know, I have my little area where I bought hundred tickets for kids to give out to kids every, every game. So I'm, I'm always been community orientated. Stacy, you can tell them some horror stories about coaching uh, minor league basketball, right? I, I'm going to tell oh, you, you're, you're going to, Hey, trust me, but you know what though? You know what though? News, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's rewarding working with young players and, and trying to, teach them the game, and, and trying to help them reach their, their goals. I, I enjoyed my time in the CBA. I wouldn't trade it in the world, but, you know, driving vans and, you know, staying in uh, Ramada Inns and, you know, eating at Waffle Houses wasn't, you know, coming from the NBA wasn't uh, – that was kind of a culture shock. I didn't have anybody to carry my bags. I had to carry my own bags, baby. A lot. SS. SS. I loved it. You know, I've been coaching I've been coaching my league for about the last 20 years. Yes. And I, I enjoy it. I get to enjoy this. What, what I enjoy about it more than anything is, is you look at some of these guys, they had that little twinkle in their eyes. They like, it's just flickering and they don't really know how to get to where they're trying to go. But then you're showing them things and you're doing things with them. And when that light comes on, it's like a uh, 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 aha moment. That's the satisfaction I love. Just knowing that, okay, they got something out of what I've been trying to teach. Them. And I enjoy minor league. I, I don't mind dri- riding on the bus. Uh, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind a little Ramada ends. That's you, SS. You, you know, you. you yeah, you, 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 yeah, you. man. I done got spoiled, man. I'm sorry. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, hey, hey, the sleep in? Uh, no. <laughs> well, Cliff, you're certainly living up to your nickname of Good News. Keep spreading wealth throughout the community. Thank you so much for joining us on Give Me the Hot Sauce. So we look forward to catching up with you again. That is Cliff. Good News, Levingston. Thanks, News. I got one. I got one thing to say though. I got one thing to say. It says, "I don't know how they let you slip in and get a podcast." And <laughs> let me just say, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, and the reason why I say that is because you're one of the only commentators that can paint a picture, and the, and 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 the viewers, the listeners, can see what you're talking about. Now, with the pandemic and everything, they don't know what they just released because now <laughs> you really can paint that picture. Ooh. Because you was all you was always that guy who was who who should be national, should be on that next level. 
but it was some things that, that wouldn't let you get to hey, the next Cliff, level. Hey, Cliff, we're, we're, we're global right now, Cliff. We're global. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're in Japan. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, Cliff. I didn't, I didn't mean this Cliff. Like no, that. no, no. Cliff. <laughs> Cliff. Cliff. I'm like, that, I'm like that underground rapper that's selling mixtapes out the back of his trunk right now, okay? But eventually, uh, we're going to go where we need to go. You know what I'm saying? We're grinding right now. The marathon continues, baby. Nipsey Hustle. But but like but SS, that's what I love about you, bro. Because I'm telling you something, you paint the picture so they can visually see it. And with this pandemic and no fans in the in the, in the what you call it, they don't know what they just released. They released the, the Kraken. News, <laughs> <laughs> your check is in the mail. We're on a budget, so I don't know if we can afford to send you what you're really worth. But we may send you some caramel popcorn. That's all we can afford right now. We went from having nothing to caramel popcorn, so we may send you that. We'll send them official Garrett's popcorn. Appreciate it, brother. Love you. I appreciate it. Love you too. Thanks, Cliff. Y'all take care. The one and only Cliff. Good news, Levingston. We're coming right back with Stacy's hot takes. Just a moment. Water is the essence of life, baby. Don't be caught guzzling chromium-6, lead, chloroform, acids, nitrates, radium, and more nasty stuff. It goes through your skin in the shower, too. Get a whole house system or an RO for drinking today. Angel offers a free water test before and after system. Go with the water expert. Call 847-382-7800 or go to angelwater.com. That's angelwater.com. And tell them that Stacey King sent you. Boy, it's great catching up with good news, Cliff Levingston. And Stacey, you know, remember the sponsor party they used to have uh, bowling when the big sponsors yes. came in over Deerfield Lane? Big bowler. And, and Cliff was a good bowler, and, and he brought his own bowling ball and his own yes. bowling shoes. And Michael was, Michael was riding him about how competitive he was. And, and, you know, those are the kind of things that he said, well, you know, that was just stuff on the court, but MJ was competitive everywhere. He wanted to beat you in bowling. He wanted to beat you in cars. If you get him on the golf course, he wanted to beat you out there, too. Well, he'd also beat you, want to beat you in doing, like, some of the silliest things, like, you know, shooting shots from the bench. You know, it'd only take me two shots. I'll bet you a 1,000. I can make it on the second <laughs> shot. And, you know, little, little things like that, Mark. But, you know, he, you know, that whole team was competitive, as Cliff told us. That whole team was competitive. And those bowling parties back at Deerfield Lane's, there was some drinking going on. I know they've they've gotten kind of tame over the years. Now now they've they've kind of made them politically correct. But back then, yeah, guys would let their hair down a little bit. Yeah, back then, <laughs> back then you also used to have alcohol in the locker room. So you know, and then you start getting teenagers in in the NBA. So that kind of stopped. But you know, speaking of Cliff and his bowling, when you when, when you know you know it's your serious bowler. When a guy's got multiple balls and he's got <laughs> he's got his own bowling shoes with his names on it, and Can't that's when you know a guy is serious. Yeah, MJ, that particular party when Cliff won the bowling competition, he 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 was feeling his oats that night, I and mean, he that was one of the few times that he really yeah. let the media in, you know. So he's he's yelling and doing interviews and having a good time, and I think after that he kind of toned it down a little bit. But that was that was one of the times where we really got to see the the real MJ over at Deerfield Lanes. Hey, it's time for King's takes. We want to talk some football, Stacy. The Bears have been reborn. They got a chance for the playoffs if they beat the Packers on Sunday or if Arizona loses to the Rams, they're in as the last wild card. I'm excited because I think Matt Nagy has been listening to me as I've been yelling to go to the five receiver sets (laughs) that I use in Madden daily. And I use the uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, playbook. Okay, so I think he's listening to me now. He's turning Mitch Trubisky loose and the Bears offense looks like it is starting to hit its stride. 
Problem is for the Bears, though, that uh, since the Hall of Famers came in, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, their, their record against Green Bay is just dismal. And I'm sure that the Packers are like nothing better than to knock the Bears out of the playoffs. Well, I, I think I'm going to send uh, John Walsh to go kidnap Aaron Rodgers and take him out <laughs> to dinner and maybe a couple of drinks. And maybe he won't show up ready to play because John is a double agent. Hey, last year the, the Packers won the Super Bowl. The Bears had a chance to knock them out in the final weekend. They didn't do it, and that came back to haunt them. So that's that's kind of a lesson. And and we've got uh, a different perspective, Stacey. we got we got Southside Sioux here. What, what's it like uh, being in Wisconsin as a Bears fan? That's got to be across the bear. brutal. It is absolutely brutal. You don't know what it's like to be a Bears fan living in Packer hell. Since Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback of the Packers, I, I don't think the Bears have ever won a, a, series, a season series. It's, it's crazy. Well, it's been a bad run. There's no question about it. I mean, first you have Brett Favre, and they dominated the Packers. The Packers dominated the Bears during that segment. And then you get Aaron Rodgers coming in right after him. Stacey, it's kind of unfair, isn't it, to have two Hall, Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a 30-year stretch? I mean, that's, uh, that defies all odds. Well, I'm going to go back to Southside Susan here because the simple fact is I want to know what – they're doing to you being a Bears fan. <laughs> does that mean you have to walk around like you know, hiding your Chicago, you know, your Chicago shirts, your hats, your Bears hat, socks hat, whatever? I mean, what are they doing to you? Are they Stacey, throwing toilet paper in your Stacey, trees? I never take it off, and all I get is shit. I'll give you, I'll give you one, <laughs> one example. Okay. Where's the dunk beep, Where's, where's the, the Where's the beep beep I'll beep? You, I'll give you one example. I was in a pick and save parking lot, and of course, I had my Bears hoodie on and my Bears hat, right? And I'm walking across, and this car stops and lets me cross, you know, to get into the store. And as soon as I get past the guy's car, he opens his window, and he goes, if I saw your bear shirt, I would have run you over. <laughs> and I just, I, my poor husband, I just said to myself, you know what? I go, hey, buddy, I go, why don't you just say thank you? And he's like, thank you? I go, we have single-handedly put your quarterback into the Hall of Fame. Wow. We have been a gift in your division for, you know, since 2000, I mean, Good God, just say thank you. And he was just like, thank you. Well, Susan, way to get your husband beat up, you know, because I'm sure that guy got out of the car. <laughs> he's not going to hit you, but he's going to probably beat up your little wimpy husband, whoever he may be. He said thank you. <laughs> Is that like a Safeway? It's Kroger's? Like, it's like a Piggly Wiggly. A Piggly Wiggly. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a, that, that's a Wisconsin thing as well. Piggly Wiggly. Oh. <laughs> It's a Kroger. Okay, that's oh, okay. what I thought. Or like a okay. jewel. Yeah. Or, or yeah. yeah, not Dominic's, not, you know, Mariano's, not upscale like that that we have here in Illinois. <laughs> yeah, you got all the fine <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You know, Wisconsin, I don't know what's over there. We got beer and we got cheese. And, and brats. brats. Yes. The Brat Stop, one of my favorite and places. And the pack. Oh, wow. Wow, that hurt. He had to throw that in. Wow, that hurt right there. Oh, Oh, that hurt, John. You didn't have to do that. That hurt. I didn't know you were a Pack fan. All this time, we always thought you supported the Bears. Now, you, all of a sudden, you jump on and yell, Pack. Wow, you're a front runner. Yeah, go Pack, go. <laughs> when, they're, when they're not winning, we don't hear that. That, that actually happened one time. We, he's, he's pretty good about pretending, you know, to be a Bears fan and, and not like the Packers. <laughs> and we were watching a game. I don't know. It could have been New Year's Eve. And the Bears were playing the Packers, and the Bears threw a long ball down the field, and the Packers intercepted it. I think it was in the end zone, or it was, you know, whatever. 
And John goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, you did it. I said, honeymoon's over. I have pretended to like the Patriots for how many years? And wow. Pretended is the key word. Pretended, yeah. exactly. You Whatever know, it is to keep a happy home. When we take this show to YouTube, I don't know if John's going to bring all his props out here. I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> oh, you know, Stacey King is the Bulls analyst. We got three Brewers bobbleheads. We got Bango the Buck bobblehead. We got is that well, Gale Sayers? He's got his Buck stocking cap. We here. got Manu Bowl, yeah. which is a collector's item. We got the Big Hurt, and we, we got, got Frank we, Thomas. We got to get your daughter to document this for Instagram. All these Brewer bobbleheads and Milwaukee souvenirs. Out of his little tub yeah. in his basement hey, have, with his little wrestling single <laughs> on, basing in oil. Speaking of which, I always follow through on my promises, and I brought each of you. Oh wow, football gift, cards! Little, this is Christmas coming late. Nineteen ninety-three for my wow. stadium club football. You can open those up. Is there any Bo Jackson? What's in here? Is it Mark, brick? Marcus Allen. That hard? Hey, you remember that story last week? Stacy's telling us he's got a Walter Payton card that's worth fifteen grand. Were you buying any of that? Oh my goodness! No, I don't believe that. <laughs> I mean, it is. You did keep it in good condition. It wasn't yeah, greasy or anything like that. So no. I'll give you credit on that. Oh man, the cards were stuck together. Wow. <laughs> that's from the gum. <laughs> oh my! He stole the gum out of there. Oh wow! Tony Bennett. Wait, th- this isn't the singer from San Francisco, is he? You don't look like him. Uh, Leonard Marshall. Yeah. I'm going to see if I got any good ones. Yeah. Oh, I got Jim McMahon as a Viking. Oh, oh that ain't right. That's That's, that doesn't even look QB. right. That doesn't even look right. He was a pack at the end of his career. He got a Super Bowl ring. I have a Super Bowl MVP, Jeff Hostetler. Oh, yeah, Haas. <laughs> yeah, with the Giants, 1990. He was a Raider by then, though. That Jeff card. Jager, he was one of many failed Bears kickers. Got him as a Raider. And a Raider. Yeah. I got Jay Schrader. Another Raider. With the comb over. With the Looking Raider. like Gene Cady. <laughs> had a strong arm. He's a strong arm quarterback. But the hair game's not strong. Nah, he played for the Redskins as well, but he could throw the long ball to Willie Galt. Remember Willie Galt, Bears fans? Derek Thomas, the Hall of Famer. Yeah, Barry Sanders, my Ooh, boy. I might have to take. I got one. you're not getting that. <laughs> you're not getting Indian com- giver. You're not getting it. Barry guy. Sanders with the Lions. Daryl Green, fastest man in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Ran down Marcus Allen. The Super Eric Bowl. Davis, all all world cornerback for the 49ers. Chris Dolman, pass rushing in for the Vikings. He gave the Bears fits. See, you look at you guys. You'll, you'll be in the bin soon. <laughs> no, you'll be down no, in the basement. I'm, I'm sorry. Joe, Joe Montana is a chief. Oh, look at these cards up there. Man, Hall of Famers left and right. Just, Timmy Whispers, who do you got? I just had two in a row that aren't too bad. A guy named Jerry Rice and a he was Marcus all right. Allen. Oh, wow. You got some nice ones. Marcus. You, you may try to get that, too? I'm, yeah. I, don't I, think so. I did say any Bo Jacksons or Marcus It's Allen. like his neighbor with the Ted Williams card. He'll just hit you with a, hit with a hammer on the way out of here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How old are these cards? I mean, they're literally well, stuck together. Well, 1993. They're not telling any secrets. Oh, my goodness. Turn the humidity down. Man, <laughs> put some water on them sometime. Let them dry. Hey, speaking of, speaking of big names, you guys catch the end of that Raiders-Dolphins game on Saturday when they tried to run down the clock and kick a field goal to win the game? Problem is, he left ninth, John Gruden left 19 seconds on the clock, and Fitzmagic came down the field, oh. and they wound up winning the game. I mean, it's a good thing John Fitz. Gruden has a $100 million contract because yeah. he can make mistakes like that, right? I tell you what, when you got, when you, he probably got ownership of the team too <laughs> with that contract. So, who knows? Yeah, it's a long way from the the old Al Davis just win baby days. They they have really hit in hard times, and now, the now they're in again. Las Vegas. Yeah, 
they had, they looked good for a while. They were like seven and three, and they looked like they were headed for the playoffs. But they just kind of went under, and they had some bad losses along the way. But that one will really sting because Gruden's decision making was what really happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> well, no. not in football. Not though, in football. Yeah. Except herpes, and I'll come home with you. Wow. Okay. Uh, beep. <laughs> Wait beep. a minute. That, that, that's that, what you came there up with. There goes the sponsors right there. <laughs> Please accept our, resp- our our apologies for Timmy Whispers. We haven't heard him in seven shows, and then all of a sudden he speaks. Oh, I thought we were talking about movies again. <laughs> oh, my. That's, that's coming up later. Yeah. Wow. Hey, we talked about Paul George's comments uh, after the his team got down by 50 points at halftime. Did you catch J.J. Watt the other day? He was asked about, will the Texans show up for their last game? And he made this passionate defense about how we're professionals and he you know swore a few times to say we're we're going to come out here we're you know we we respect uh, the fan base that still cares about our, our team that that's what really the pride of an athlete's all about Stacey a guy that that knows his team is done they're down and out but he, he wanted to call everybody out and say we're not just going to mail it in we're going to show up and play that's what you get paid to do regardless of the situation whether you win or you're losing you get paid to go do a job. Just like regular people have to go to, to work every single day and put 40-hour weeks in, you know, they can't call in because they're upset with their, their boss. They have to work. They got to perform. They got to do their job, or they'll find someone else who will do it. So athletes who, you know, who say they don't want to come to work or they don't want to go do what they have to do, you know, you're very blessed to be a professional athlete. Seriously, you're very blessed to be a professional athlete and all the perks that come along with being that. And you just can't be one of these guys – when everything is going good, you want to talk to everybody. You want to you don't want to be out there in the forefront. And when things go bad, you don't want to be nowhere to be seen. You don't want to talk to media. You don't want to talk to anybody. You want to get out of there, and that's just not right. And J.J. Watt has a Chicago connection. His wife plays uh, in the Women's Professional Soccer League for the Chicago Red Stars, so he spent some time up here during her season. And he mentioned when the Texans were up here playing the Bears, he said they were within walking distance of Portillo, so that was a bad thing for him before game night. <laughs> A great guy in the community, too, and I believe he was a Badger. He was, yes. Yeah, thank you. Just wanted to get that in. Yeah, they got three Watt brothers playing in the NFL. Hey, let's uh, let's catch some rapid fire here. Stacey, did you see that the Big Ten has nine teams ranked in the top 25 this week, and Northwestern tied for first place after another win? Yeah, who called the Caps? The Capper, 57% from the three-point line. Is that right? I don't even know. Where are you getting this information from? I don't even know. Yeah. I haven't even got a chance to watch a lot of college. I've watched Gonzaga play. And yeah, I they're have pretty to, tough. I have to admit, they are the favorites to win it all if there is a tournament. They are really, really stacked. Uh, that point guard, Suggs, yeah, Suggs Jalen Suggs is Unbelievable. He would probably start for majority of teams in the NBA right now. I mean, he's that good. So uh, they're fun to watch, too. I mean, they've got shooters on the floor. They're unselfish. Um, arguably the best team in college basketball right now. Speaking of shooters, did you catch what Steph Curry did the other day? We talked about the fact that the, the Golden State Warriors came back to steal that game against the Bulls. But they practiced at the Advocate Center the day between their game in Christmas and the game against the Bulls. And this is on tape, so it's not like this is uh, some wild story that we're hearing. Steph Curry made 105 consecutive threes from the corner. You know, sometimes when I'm shooting baskets in the driveway, I try to end up by making 10 free throws. I'm out there for an hour. He made 100, 105 straight threes. It's crazy. Well, with the way he started the game against the Bulls, I, I think he left some of those on the table. <laughs> but he, he answered the bell in the second half and, and hit some big shots. But I tell you, nothing he does surprised me. We did, we did a stat – 
uh, about the fastest to, I think, 2,700 or something threes. You had Reggie Miller and how many games it took to get there. It was Reggie Miller, Ray Allen. And those guys took over a thousand games to get to that yeah. number, and Steph Curry was like at seven hundred and something games to get to that number. Yeah. Tells you how unbelievable good shooter he is. And and you think about Clay Thompson. You know, you watch that team play right now. They really, really miss him. And those two guys arguably are going to going to go down as two of the greatest shooters of all time. The Splash Brothers. Hey, we continue rapid fire the college football semifinals coming up on New Year's Day. And Stacy, when you've got. A 19-and-a-half-point favorite, Alabama over Notre Dame. Something's wrong. Notre Dame shouldn't be in there. Right? <laughs> I, I, I said that last week. You know, the way they got beat by Clemson, I know they, they, they beat them early in the year, but they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. And with Trevor Lawrence, it looked like a pro team, you know, playing against a college team. Uh, my Oklahoma Sooners should be in there. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there, too. And they're playing Florida in the Cotton Bowl, I think. And the Sooners should be out there. They, you know, they beat Iowa State, which was number six. So, you know, they should be in there. I think they give a better game than what Notre Dame is going to give Alabama. And finally, as we're recording this Monday night, the Chicago Cubs are putting the finishing touches on a trade with the San Diego Padres that will send their ace pitcher, Hugh Darvish, out west one day after the Padres acquired Blake Snell in a trade with Tampa. So they're going after the Dodgers and Nash League, no question about that. And the Cubs reportedly will get Zach Davies, uh, who pitched for the Brewers a while back. Yeah, they'll starter. also get Will Myers, who had you know had some success as a hitter in the major leagues, and, and some prospects. Looks like uh, we're starting another rebuilding phase. Although uh, I think Jed Hoyer, the new general manager, would say that they're just reloading and hoping to contend in a year or two. Well, that Padres team is going to be nasty because they got so much young talent in those Fernando hitters. Tatis Jr. Tatis Jr. Nice yeah, player. you. I mean, uh, Manny Machado's there. I mean, they got a they got a squad. I mean, mm-hmm. they just missed some pitching. You get them some good pitching. Uh, you send some good starters out there with the way they swing the bat. Man, they could they could cause some problems out west. Yeah, with Darvish Snell one two, they got a chance. But the, you know, the Dodgers are not going to take this quietly. They'll probably go out and try to sign Trevor Bauer after seeing something like that. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Stacy's got a childhood story you don't want to miss. That's next <laughs> on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Traveling in style and luxury while knowing you're safe with an experienced driver is why I choose Windy City Limousine. My friends at Windy City take me to every game, wherever I need to go and when I need to go. Always on time, clean and professional like I like it. Reserve your ride today at 847-916-9300 or just go to WindyCityLimos.com. That's WindyCityLimo.com, and let them know Stacy King sent you. It is now time for On the Down Low with Stacy King. Hey, first of all, before we get to these childhood stories that I've, I've been building up for a little while, well, what happened with your fantasy football league? Because you're the, you're the reigning oh, champion. Too soon. It's, it's hurting right now. We had, to, we had to cease operations due to the COVID outbreak. So we've decided as a group. Well, you can't touch your computer. No, no, because some of the guys. Okay, you know I'm rudely interrupted again (laughs) by you, J Dub. I'm getting ready to get that dog collar and shock you like I did last episode. Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted from the guy who supports the Pats who are not making the playoffs this year. Um, um, So, so we decided since no one's playing, some of the guys are not playing consistently. That it doesn't make sense if we're only you know we got a 12 man team and and five groups of guys are not playing, it's just not fair for everybody. So we decided to cease operations because of COVID. I'm still the champion, so I'll be the champion two years in a row. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to next year. Uh-huh. And uh, hopefully repeat, which I will, because I'm 10-time champion, 10 times in a row. Not just not just repeat, I'm 10-time champion in a row. Now, is that shiny trophy that you have on display, is that a traveling trophy? Does yeah, the champion bring that, that in? Or? No, no, it stays in my house. Because since I'm, since I'm always winning, it doesn't need to go anywhere. So I don't need to let anybody else have display. it. It's on permanent display in my trophy case because I am the greatest of all time. Just just to let you guys know, I know we're taping the show, but score update uh, out of Foxborough, I believe it's 10-9 Bills. Dun, 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 dun. That was a special report from uh, J-Dub. He's, he's a Pats fan right now. He's really watching this very closely. You know, speaking of news updates, I saw on Twitter that John Morant had to be taken off the court in a wheelchair. Bad ankle injury. Oh, wow. So, and that, that's a guy that's fun to watch. Oh. John Morant is oh, one of the most... See the, did you see he the play when he threw so the lob off the glass? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, he does, he does remind you of, of Derek, uh, you know, with his athleticism. And, I mean, I'm telling you what, he's... He's he's really off to a great start. You know, he's got worked on his outside jump shot. Uh, you know, you've got to play him for a three now, but his ability to get to the rim and finish over over bigger defenders is awesome. Since this is the holiday season, we thought we'd wrap things up with some, you know, heartwarming stories about our childhood. Except this story isn't it. Stacy's got a story <laughs> <laughs> about growing up that has nothing to do about goodwill to men. <laughs> or Not girls. Yes. Stacy, the floor is yours. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, I'm a big MMA fan, boxing fan, combat sports fans, okay? So we, we like to talk about stories that, that we've had in our past that, you know, we go back and we can laugh at. And I, and I told these guys this story, and, and they, you know, they laughed at me, and they're still giving me crap about it to this day. So I was in kindergarten, which puts me about six years old in Lawton, Oklahoma, Um. And in kindergarten, you have a morning session and you have an afternoon session. I was in the morning session because my mom would come get me in the morning and take me to daycare when she goes to work. So you can imagine, I'm a little guy, I'm young, you know, whatever. I didn't have a beard because, you know, I'm 6'11". I was pretty tall as a kindergarten. I probably looked like I was in the fourth grade. Um, but so, so I'm on the play. I'm, I'm, I'm playing in the box. We're playing with these blocks. And back in the day, you had these, these building blocks that used to be like actual wood pieces. They were huge. They're not like the little baby blocks you see now that kids play with. So we had a big box. And so the teacher says, okay, you had playtime. So for like the first, you know, for like the first 15 minutes of class, you go play in this, you know, play, have playtime. So I go into this box. I'm building something. I'm trying to build like a little fort or something. And another little kid decides that he needs a piece of my blocks to build his thing so i've already got this thing built it's like django you know how you build things up so the kid comes over takes my block didn't ask me for it because he's six years old too like two little toddlers would do he takes my block takes my and my thing falls down and it's he, on and on its own falls down he goes and puts it in his thing Throwing hands time. yeah yeah so so he puts his thing up and he's building his thing up so i i'm upset i'm not crying i'm six years old. i'm not crying so i walk over to his little building and I take his block, my block that he took, and make knock his thing down. So now this is going to cause a fight. Okay? So I'm going back. He comes back over to me. He pushes me. I push him back. He hits me. I hit him back. He took a block, and he went for the knee. He took me out. <laughs> he hit me in the knee. I go down. I'm crying. I'm six years old now. He hits me with the block in the knee. I go down. Now I can't get him back because the teacher now sees the fight. So she separates us. Puts us in a corner. You're over in this corner. You're in that corner. That's what you do with like little toddlers. So, so I'm trying to devise a plan. I'm so mad right now. I want to get that kid right now. So I couldn't. 
because now the teacher saw it. She separated us. So as your parents are coming to get you as the first session is over, they allow you to go out to recess to play for the last 15 minutes to your parents. Your parents would come to recess and pick you up and then take you, you know, out off first session. So I've already devised a plan as a six-year-old. I'm going to get this kid back on the playground. So, so revenge was in my mind the whole time. So like a whole 45 minutes to an hour had passed, and I still wanted to get this kid for hitting me in my knee with that block. So we're out there. He's on the monkey bars. So I see him. I go right after him. Take him down off the monkey bars. He falls into the gravel. We're fighting. Boom, boom, boom. I beat him up. Here comes the, the, the monitor. She breaks it up, takes me to the principal's office. So I had to wait in the principal's office till my mom came to pick me up. So my, I thought my mom was going to get me for being the principal, office, but she supported me after she found out that he started the fight because I told her she started the fight and he hit me in my knee. So she said, good, he got what he deserved. I didn't get in trouble, didn't get paddled because back then they paddled kids. So I didn't get paddled. My mom takes me in the car, I go to daycare. She's, she's telling me, hey, I'm glad you defended yourself, boom, boom, boom. No problem, mom. I didn't get in trouble, so everything's cool. So this is on a Friday. So Saturday comes. And, and back then, you know, you're six years old, you know, things were so easy back then growing up, like in the 70s. You know, you know kids could just go out and play. You didn't have to worry about, you know, kids getting kidnapped and all the things that you have to worry about now. So my parents would just let me go to the playground, which is probably about five blocks away. So I leave the house thinking I'm going to meet my friends at the playground. We're going to have some fun. So I get about two and a half blocks away from the house. So it's like the midpoint from yeah, my no, house. Point to of the, no return. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a midpoint from my house to the, to the elementary school playground. So I see all these kids in the trees playing, and they're, they're talking. And I'm looking up there. I say, I wonder if these are my guys. You know, I'm looking. I see all these kids playing. So do I know any of these kids? Well, I don't know any of them. So I don't know not one of those kids. And so I'm like, wow, I just better go on the other side of the street and just walk on by because I hear somebody go, there he is right there. So, of course, I'm looking around like <laughs> I'm the only one on the street and they're up in these trees playing. So I know they're talking about me. And then I see the little kid that I beat up the day before. So I put two and two together that these must be his clan, his people, his crew. I don't know. His brother, crew brother and old. sisters. You know, <laughs> these kids were older. These kids were like, you know, I'm in kindergarten. These kids were like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. These were older kids. So I'm like, oh, man, I got to get out of here. How many can you get? There was like 10, 10, like 10 of them. And I don't know if they're all related. They were cousins, but there were 10 of them. So I know I'm in trouble now. I got no backup. I got none of my crew with me, my little six-year-old crew that I roll with. They're not with me. So, so I'm walking. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I start speed walking. So they said, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Where are you going? Where are you going? So they, they chase me. And I'm six years old, so they're older than me. You know they're going to catch me. So they catch me. Okay, I wasn't in my Usain Bolt stage just right yet. That was like four years later. Okay, so they catch me and they circle me. So I'm feeling like custard at the little bighorn right now. So I'm being circled by all these kids. And you hear them say, is this the guy? That, is this the kid that beat you up? Blah blah blah. So, this girl who was doing all the talking—I'd never seen her before. Now, this is this is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so this girl's doing all this talking. She says to me, "You know, you beat my brother up, and now we're going to beat you up." So I'm thinking, she says, "Now she's talking plural. Now we're going to beat you up. Not like <laughs> he's going to beat you up or I'm going to beat you up. It's plural. We're going to beat you up." So my little mind's thinking right now. I'm getting ready to get rat packed. Like there's nothing I can do. I'm by myself. And so, Frank Sinatra's yeah. nowhere to be found. No, no one, yeah, no one, right. there's no one there to help me. 
So, so my neighborhood at that time, you got to remember, there was a neighborhood watch system. Like parents and, and adults always watched out for the kids. So if people were kids were fighting, they would break it up. They would stop fights and, you know, they would monitor kids. My parents allowed our friends, if I was doing something wrong away from the house, they had, you know, jurisdiction to spank me, literally spank me. And then go, call my mom and say, Lois, I had to spank Stacy because he was throwing rocks into the school window. Did so, that happen? Yeah, that happened. Okay. I, was, uh, I, I just, I really didn't do it. I was just watching, but I got accused because the guy ratted me out. You know, he, he, you know, he just told on me. So I, because he got a spanking, I had to get a spanking. The, the paddle or a spanking? No, no, with with the with the belt. Right now, that would be child abuse. I just want to throw that. My lowest scheme would have went to jail if I would have reported her in this day and age. But back then, that's what you know happened. Yeah. So, so back to the fight, John. Back to the you, rat you know, pack. Back to the back to the fight. So they're circling me. They're like they're like they're like alligators, and I'm like a piece of meat in the middle. So this girl's talking all this trash, you know. We're going to beat you up. So I'm like, oh, man, that's plural. <laughs> There's 10 of them. <laughs> this Sounds like West Side yeah, Story. This yeah. doesn't look good for the Warriors king. Warriors come out and play. Yeah, this doesn't look good for the baby king because I was baby king, king at the time. Little king. Okay. So just to give you a little insight, my, my street fighting record total is 101 and 1. So it's 101 wins and one defeat. And the one defeat happened on this particular day. After that, I won 101 fights straight, okay? So on this particular day, Stacey King got his butt kicked by 10 kids. Okay, so, so as this girl's talking to me, I look and I, I, I don't really notice it, but because I'm not paying attention because I'm worried about where the punch is going to come from. So she had one arm. Yeah, she's, she was handicapped. She had one arm. But she, the way she was talking, I wasn't even thinking about that because I thought, man, this girl's going to kill me. You were just looking at her mouth. Yeah, she was going to kill me because she was bigger than me and she was just talking slick. Like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to beat you up. We're gonna, I'm like, oh, man. So all of a sudden, somebody pushed me from behind. And it was the kid, the little brother. Okay, his name was Mike. So Mike pushes me from behind. I turn to go after Mike because I'm thinking, okay, this is a fair fight to, you know, kindergarten is a fair fight. Maybe these older kids will let it go now. No, it didn't. The one-armed girl, she, she sucker punched me. I keep thinking of the she, fugitive every time yeah. he talks about the one-armed girl. Yeah. The, the one-armed where's, girl. Where's Richard Listen, Kimball? You know? I'm, I'm telling you, it, it was something like that. She jabbed me with the left, with well, one arm. So you got beat by She hit me in the girl. back but, of the but head. But she couldn't come back with the right cross. No, though. she didn't come with the uppercut or right cross or anything. <laughs> she hit me with the one arm, okay? So then I turned, and I, I never, my mom always told me never to fight girls. Okay, but then I thought about it. She's older than me. Okay, she's older than me. She's probably like a seventh grader. So I'm not even thinking about she's a girl because I'm thinking, first of all, she's got one arm. Like, why would I want to fight this girl? But then all of a sudden, she, I had an afro like Michael Jackson, the early Jacksons. You know, you used to have the afros, you know? Tito? Yeah, no, not Tito. No, Michael, because I'm, <laughs> I'm Michael of this crew, okay? So she grabs my afro and with one arm. And starts swinging me around and throwing me on the ground. And then the next thing I know, like all 10 of those kids just started beating me. And, I, and, I, and as I'm getting beat up by all these kids, I'm looking up and I can see like people in the windows, like looking. And all I remember was people closing the curtain. <laughs> Nobody came out to stop the fight. Neighborhood watch. You're no, own, there King. was no neighborhood watch. There was nobody out there seeing a child was getting beaten. They didn't do anything. Wow. And so, so, so. Now, you also got to understand this. I have two older brothers that are street fighting legends growing up. What was their record? They were, they were some <laughs> bad dudes. They, they were much older than me, but they were some bad dudes. So 
I, I always got a game. I always got a pass growing up because of my brother's reputation. So people always knew not to mess with Little King because the two big kings would hurt you if you did. Jermaine. So no, not Jermaine. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> so you turn this into Jackson Five. It's the King. It's the King Four. So so I always got a pass that you know because I had an older brother. So somebody would say something to me. I could I could talk a bunch of trash and nobody would bother me because they knew my brothers. But these people didn't know my brother. They didn't care. So they just knew I beat up their little brother, and we're going to beat you up. So somehow I finagled my way out of there. I wiggled my way out of there and got out of there. Hair beat up. I got stickers all in my hair. I'm all scratched up. My eyes swollen. My, my little shirt was ripped off. I had one of those little Winnie the Pooh shirts. You know, remember back in the day they had Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, yeah. Granimals, you know. But it was a Winnie the Pooh. So they ripped my little Winnie the Pooh, which was one of my favorite shirts that my mom ever bought me. And because I loved Winnie the Pooh as a little child, okay? So I, I get away. I'm running for my life. These kids are chasing me. They're throwing rocks at me. Get him, get him. It's like, it's like our gang, you know, Spanky. And, and uh, it was something like that. <laughs> so they're chasing me. So I'm running. I don't know where to go. I go to the playground. All my little friends that I was supposed to meet, they see what's happening. They start running and going the opposite direction. They don't even want to help because these guys are, they see this, this mob after me. And they're like, oh, Stacy's on his own. <laughs> so I'm running. I run past all them. I go around to the back of the school. And then my brothers were playing football in this horse uh, field with all their buddies. They were playing tackle football. And I kind of knew they were there. I was just praying that they were there. Please, 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 Peter, please, God, please get me out of this. Let them be there. So I run up. I get on top of this big hill. We used to ride our bikes down. We called it the jumps. And we'd ride our bikes down this hill, and then we'd set up little ramps and jump over the stream like Evil Knievel. So these kids are throwing rocks at me. Get him, get him. And I, I see my brothers, and it was like a miracle. It was like two angels. They're out there, and they're playing in the horse field. But they're so far away, I don't think they could hear me at first. So I'm screaming, Lamont, Gregory, help. And no one hears me. So I'm like, and I see him coming, and I start running down this hill. I'm falling down the hill. They're throwing rocks at me. And then one of my brother's friends said, hey, there's your, there's your little brother. He's, he's screaming. He's hollering for y'all. So then my two brothers looked and see, and they start to come. And so the mob runs off and leaves. The cavalry. Yeah, yeah they took off. Because they saw. They're like, oh, these guys are coming. So I'm all beat up. I'm, I'm crying. My brother's like, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to get them back. Don't worry about it. We're going to get them back. So I'm like, okay, good. I got back up now. So my second brother, uh, the one who just passed away with uh, COVID, that uh, passed away earlier in the year, he was like my favorite brother because he was, he, was, he was like always looked out for me. you know. So, um, and he was an eighth grader. So he, he says, Monday morning, we're going to go to school and we're going to get all those kids back. And so I said, okay. So we go to school. My brother walks me to the elementary school. He, he misses the bus to go to his school because he was in different junior high school. So he walks me to school, him and a couple of his buddies. They walk me to school, and they pulled out every one of those kids that went to that school that jumped me. And he made them all stand in a line, and it was like an execution. I got to walk up and get the, got a lick on every single one of them. And got my revenge back. Wow. Yeah. Woo. And the little kid that was in kindergarten that, that started this whole thing, because he started this whole mess. Oh, he got it worse. Oh. Yeah, he got it worse. I and, got him again. And that was the beginning of the hundred? No, that was that was the start. Cause that was that was because I, I got to hit like seven of them. So I was seven and one. Oh, and that then counted. yeah, oh, I was okay. seven. That counted. Yeah. So I was seven and one. And then the other three were at my brother's uh, junior high school. And so when they got off the bus that afternoon, we were waiting for them. 
We were like parents waiting for your kids getting off the bus. They they knew what was happening. And I got so I ended up being ten and one just off of that little quick little fight thing. So what yeah. did the what did the one armed girl say before you got even? With her? The one the one arm the one the one arm girl. Listen, she pleaded. She pleaded. No, no. Don't tear my arm off. Don't hit me. Don't don't let him hit me. Don't let him hit me. And that was Timmy Whispers right there. So, you know, adding his two cents worth in. But the one-armed girl, listen, we ended up being really good friends later on because she was she was really tough. She was a girl you want on your side. So if, like, you ever got into a scrap with somebody, you know, and plus she was a good football player. She never fumbled. She, <laughs> I'm being serious. She would run. She, we, 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 we would play football, tackle football, and she would run, and she was super fast. And she never – you would think she would fumble, but she never fumbled. And then she cut her hair and started playing drums for Def Leppard. Wow, this guy here. This, this, this. See, this went from a good, wholesome, a revenge, a community, a community coming together, coming together yeah. and how, how the, how we were enemies at first, and then we became friends, and then we got Timmy Whispers coming in, soiling up the project. He's just soiling it up, just throwing ink in the water, just ruined it. A perfect moment. Ah, uh, Christmas miracle. John, you don't want to tell your fishhook story after that, do you? Yes, no, no. I want to hear it. Please tell us. No, I, I can tell him. It was child abuse. Many, many stories to follow the king, but I, I can't do it. I just. Uh, you know, it involves many hooks. Uh, <laughs> my dad telling me, yeah, as he trying to cast into a lake, don't move, kid. And I moved, and I uh, the hook, and my mom passed out in the field, and I'm in the emergency room. Father of the Year award. <gasps> my dad's the one. <laughs> I told you not to move. Yeah, I told you not to move, kid. Yeah, compassion didn't run real strong back in those days, did it? No, no, we no didn't no. see it. Got to suck it up. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring down the curtain on this miserable, horrible year of 2020 and all look forward to great times ahead in 2021 to get that vaccine distributed. We get back to our lives, we hope, at some point in the coming year. We thank you for joining the ever-growing family of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. We hope you'll continue to follow us and subscribe and rate us. And Hey, we're on, uh, we're on Instagram. What's the Instagram, John? Give me the hot sauce podcast. We're, We're also on Twitter. On Twitter. We're also StacyKing21.com. And just to throw a little nugget for your fans out there, we may be taking this show on the road down to Chicago, throughout Chicagoland, to some restaurants in the neighborhoods that maybe inviting us in and, and having a little hot sauce and maybe a couple of brews and and some good times. So look for us in 2021 out in your neighborhood. We want to hear from you, so feel free to send some questions in to Stacey's uh, Instagram page or the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast Instagram page. And the Twitter handle is Gimme Hot Sauce 21. So we hope you follow us on social media and continue to listen to the podcast. We're having a ton of fun doing it. And we look forward to seeing you in the first week of the new year. Right, Stace? Yes. And I, I just want to kind of add on to that. You know, you guys, you guys who are subscribing, thank you very much. Thank you for all the positive feedback that we've been getting, you know, since we've been doing this podcast. We're having a lot of fun. We hope you're having a lot of fun listening to it. And, you know, we try to bring energy just like I do at the games. And, you know, we want you to have some fun and laugh. And if you ever get bored, just remember, turn it on, listen to us, and I guarantee you, your day will be brightened. Until next time. Drive home safely, Chicago. Happy New Year. 
Beep, beep. Wait a minute, man. Don't interrupt me again when I'm doing that, okay? All right. You, 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 know, you know better than that. First, first of all, I told you this last episode. I'm Michael. You're Tito, okay? I'm Michael Jackson. You're Tito. You never jump in front of Michael Jackson when he's doing the moonwalk. Just stand back and admire like the fans. Get the tissues. And here's this guy. Um, who the it's kind of, Who the fuck is this guy? Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, we'll yeah. We'll see you next week.